You used to have me on your. <laughs> you used to, you used to. Yeah. You used to have me on your podcast. <laughs> Late night when you need a guest. Have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. And I know when that Zoom link bling. Mason's playing with his thing. And I know when that Zoom link bling. Noah is the farting king. Ever since I left the Zoom call, you. You. Got a reputation for your pod now. Ask if I can come on, you say have a cow. Feeling like Bart Simpson and your Mr. Plow. Cause ever since I left the Zoom call, you. Started farting less and jacking off more. Tube socks on the spum of of your bedroom floor. Doing some farting I've never heard before. You used to have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. Have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Mason's playing with his thing. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Noah is the farting king. Ever since I left the Zoom call, you, you, you. You and me, we just can't coordinate. I'd record on Sunday, but I got a date. I know that's a lie, you will just masturbate. Cause ever since I left the Zoom call, you. You do exactly what you wanna do. Started doing drops out of the blue. Doing bits with guests who are such P.U. Woo! You used to have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. Have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Woo! Mason's playing with his thing. Uh Uh-huh. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Oh, yeah. Noah is the farting king. These days, all you do is play McDonald's flute to transition with someone else. Accuse Mason of only giving one spin with someone else. Do the same fucking plugs you do every week with someone else. You need to bring me on. You really need to bring me on. No. Why your calls always miss? Mason, give me a little kiss. Used to be inside. You was watching Drive. You was cool as shit. Yeah, you should just have me on. These other guests are wrong. You used to have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. Have me on your podcast. Late night when you need a guest. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Mason's playing with his thing. And I know in that Zoom link bling. Noah is the farting king. Ever since I left the Zoom call. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Right, Mason. Yes, I used you used you did used to guest on my podcast, or I used to guest on your podcast. In any case, nice little, nice little left turn on the parody song this week. Really, really enjoyed it. Little. <laughs> Happening action there. Thank you. You don't have to lie to me. 
doing this for almost 100 episodes. <laughs> but I appreciate the lie. I appreciate the beautiful lies that you tell me. They make the truth sound so much sweeter. Tell me lies. Tell, tell me, me sweet little, little lies. Lie. Tell me. Give me podcast. Give me sweet little podcast. It was, it's always going to be incredible to me that they didn't find any room for that song in the show Big Little Lies, at least in the first season. I didn't watch the second season. That's it. That's my only thing I got to say. I just want to make sure I'm on the record about that. That's the only thing you're going to say all show? <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah, I'm going to get some water. I'll be right back. All right. See ya. Um, Mason, you can see this. The guests can see this. Viewers can't see this. I'm in a throwback location to record mm-hmm. this pod. Not where I usually You're in am. the, uh, yeah, you're in the Black Lodge. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the fucking pits of hell. Fucking back in Portland for the week, baby. Let's go. Let's uh, go. Was supposed How's to see... Portland? How was your birthday? Great question. Great, great question. Guess given two thumbs up for that one. Didn't wish me a happy birthday on the day. Maybe that'll change. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Birthday was great. Birthday was great. I got in the night before. To Portland, so that was my first time on an airplane in two years, more or less. Still, is... I thought you were about to say ever, which would have been, <laughs> which would have been fucking crazy. No, first time on an airplane in two years since probably January of 2020. So that was probably when mm-hmm. I went back to LA from being home for the holidays. And it was good, man. Got in the night before, like I said, was really tired that day, so just sort of hung out. Uh, but it's been good seeing family, seeing some friends. Was supposed to go see, the reason I'm here for this, was supposed to go see the Doughboys live. And that show has been postponed. Uh, like, a lot of oh. things are being postponed at the time that we're recording this. Uh, for May 1st. So hopefully by then, shit's a little more figured out. But not all is lost because, in theory, knock on wood, going to see friends of the show, Sienna Kresge and Ryan Maloney, right after this. Hey. So it should be fun. Love those kids. Love those kids. Love those freaks. They're they're freaks to me. <laughs> they're freaks to me. Uh, but that's what's up. Uh, by the time this comes out, I'll be back in L.A., sadly. <laughs> being, mm. in, being in a place that has so much good nature uh, really makes me never want to go back to L.A. ever again. Literally makes me want to just change my flight and go to, like, fucking New England or something and just hang out in Vermont or New yeah. Hampshire or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it is not impossible to find nature around Los Angeles and that is something that I learned a couple of weeks before I moved back to Chicago. Nice. Um so maybe take a little drive to the Angeles Crest Highway, hang out in the mountains up there. It's pretty pretty, honestly. I was up there once like around dusk time and I looked out into this like fucking valley or whatever, and it just—I swear to God—it looked like like fucking purple mountains, purple valley, something like that. It was wow. just, just tremendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, beauty's where you find it, but you gotta go looking for it. Yeah, not hard to find in the Pacific Northwest. I guess is really what I'm just getting at. It's just right in front of your, right in front of your face, to use a term specifically, right, Mason? It's right. To, in front yeah, of your face. to use to. To uh to to shout out Hong Sang Soo, one of two movies that he made last year. His second one, introduction, an hour long black and white thing, will be at the Siskel Center very soon, and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, don't have to get too much into that right Can now. Can I debut a new drop real quick? I think it goes in accordance with what you're saying, since it's black and white. Let's yeah, de- let's go let's ahead. De- let's debut it. Do I got it up? Yeah. I- Wait, am I sharing? Yeah, I am. Okay, great. Here we go. 
<laughs> just so, shave is the Roger Rabbit. Shave and a haircut. Fuck me. Too big. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that instead. Um, Mason. Yes. Welcome to It's On The List. Welcome to your own podcast. Hello. This is a podcast about underrated albums, movies, and a whole lot more. The whole lot more being whatever else we decide we're going to talk about instead of the album and the movie, which is really why you guys are listening anyway. It's the reason I listen to the yes. podcasts I do. Because who gives yes. a fuck about music and movies at the end of the day? Not I, but I am, of course, one of your hosts, the Portland Kid, the Beaverton Boy. Noah Marger with me, as always, is the Chicago Stallion. The, uh, oh. what? Yeah, that's you. Wait, where? What? What's your? What's your background? You're probably mostly European at this point, right? Like Irish, right? At this point, <laughs> at this point in your life, it's mostly Irish, right? Uh, it yeah, it's it's Irish and German were like the two sides that I grew up with. German and French Canadian on my mom's side, Irish on my dad's side, and it's of course the the twenty three and me is like of course like a whole mud of some other shit, but uh, mostly Irish. The Irish Spring himself, Mason McGuire. Mason, welcome to yes. your own show. How's it going? Hello. Uh, you know what? I've had an eventful first week of the new year here. I got a new tooth. Oh. I got a new job. Oh. I did not. I, I'm waiting for money to come in. Oh. The, the money mace is coming around the corner here. Uh, but you know what? I'm rocking and rolling. I'm having a dry January. And by that, I mean, yes, I'm still drinking alcohol, but I am applying lotion liberally because it is cold and making my skin crack out there uh everybody got the humidifier running we are having a yes our guest loves the humidifier let's get let's get it going for humidifiers in the chat here let's get it going for the humidifiers (laughs) let's go don't leave that shit running for too long i don't know why i just said i'm gonna introduce the guest now our guest today, you know her. She's been on the show before. One of the few guests to actually crack the L.A. roster when we did this show in mm-hmm. L.A. in the L.A. days, the L.A. live days. Today, we have a writer, director, producer, and comedian whose newest music video, Love, by the band Truesdale, is out now. We can link that in the show notes. Go watch that. I watched it. It's great. Aww. Please welcome. Yes, I did watch it. I actually know that's not some Hollywood bullshit guest. I did watch it and it was great. Thank you. Please welcome back to the show, Nina Kramer. Woo. Hi. I actually go by Doctor. <laughs> and yeah. um, Jason, or I keep calling Mason Jason. Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. That's no, cool. I've known you for years. I just, I don't see things going on with my brain today. But um, I'm I'm also not doing a dry January. Ah, but not I'm, drinking alcohol. No, I I'm just having dry martinis. Oh, hey, okay. let's go, let's go. Can we get a McDonald's food for that one, yeah, please? We absolutely can. McDonald's coming in. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm loving it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's kidding, and I'm also doing a dry January. I'm jacking off with no lube. <laughs> okay. All right. I uh, I am going on like a, a movie a day clip here, just like kind of in the new year. And I went to see, uh, I went to 
see Licorice Pizza again because it's at the Regal, and I have yeah. Regal Unlimited, so I can just see movies for basically free. And one of my favorite things in that movie is when um, Alana is at the the uh, the bar with Joel Wax, and Joel Wax is uh, well, Joel Wax is guest for I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen the movie. And the waiter comes up and she orders a martini, and uh, he goes vodka gin, and she goes vodka gin, like it's one one drink. I really like silly. You Mason, you yeah. want you're such a movie nerd. You watch so many of movies. <laughs> You yeah, that's your- that's one of the best things I got going for me. I I liked licorice pizza. I thought it was fun. My favorite part in that movie, my MVP moment of that movie was because Heim is they are my number one, of course. Um, I love that because like, you're you're a woman of taste. Well, and I like literally went to a Heim concert and realized I was gay. It's like that kind of oh artist, damn. Where I was that's- like, no, it was it was rough. I was like, wait, Holy. hold on, hold on. You go to the show during what song? Wait, during what song yeah, though? Okay, like, I just want to know. Like, um, oh, it had to be something like you. Uh, how could or what is it? I know every song, but now I'm like blacking out. It was during yeah. the something to tell you tour, and it was um, probably nothing's wrong or something. Just something super fucking groovy. Because Danielle, I mean, I think all of them are so cool, but Danielle's just so cool and she's so gifted. And we were in the pit at the Greek, and I was with my friend Shannon. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Shannon was out at the time and I wasn't quite, but I just kept turning to Shannon and going, Wow, she's cool. This is really <laughs> awesome. They're You've really got amazing. And then I had a dream about the show where I was backstage with them and Danielle touched my leg and I woke up and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> That's well, fucking in the, nuts. In the movie, she my favorite fucking scene. Because I thought the movie was fun. Um but my favorite scene was when Elana goes outside and they're smoking cigarettes and she's like, yeah, you know, you really need to stop yeah. screaming at people. It's like, fuck off, Danielle. That yes. Kind of, that <laughs> like that pacing. That was the, for me, I was like, this is the movie for me. I had such a fun time. I learned that was such a good trick to learn of like just drawing out that expectation of having like a sisterly moment and cutting out immediately was so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shut the fuck up, Danielle. Shut the fuck up, this is Danielle. my favorite part of the movie. The part where the I'm girl who I fell in love yeah. with was on screen for the longest. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I love them. That was a couple of years ago and I'm, they are still probably one of my favorite bands, but that like infatuation has Absolutely. come and gone. I'm not like cuckoo bonkers anymore. In a, way to tie this all in to the thing I was saying before we introduced you. I'm actually, I got tickets to see Heim, but not in LA. I got tickets to see them in Portland when they're in Portland. So Mm. I might be, might be flying up, see them in Portland when they come to Portland. Hey! They're super fun. I've seen them like five times. They're always, because they're LA based. They live down the street from my house. Like they are here all (laughs) the time. Yeah, I think is that why, why is that is that why you picked that spot to live? No, in? no, so no. no. Sisters. <laughs> no, it's fully. It's like not. I think that's why it's worn off because they're they're everywhere all the time. Like there'll be a black cat or there'll be an intelligentsia or something. I run sure. into them, and also like our circles are so small that there's a lot of overlap that it's like weird to be a fan now. Where I'm like, I just be so weird. But when I was 19 and like listening to. Um, something to tell you. And My song days. five. Yeah, I was just like angsty and graduating, and just I had never seen anything like them before, and it was just such an empowering experience to go to a show and see these 
three sisters in the city that they are from like crushing it. Right. I just, I, they're also one of the very first artists that I've seen Justin Bieber included, um, where you kind of see their online origin. Like you can see old videos of them oh, getting sure. started. Like they're right. first, there's like a really weird DSLR kind of, well, not weird, but it's like a DSLR, very run and gun documentary of them doing the echo for the first time and how nervous they are. And you're like, whoa, you do the Tonight Show regularly and just play Madison <laughs> Square Garden. And this is like seven years ago. It's, it's just very, um, you feel very connected because you feel like you're kind of in on something, which I think is really cool. Love that for them. Love that for them. They're great. Being nervous, doing the echo, and then going on the fucking Tonight Show, which yeah. Mason... Maybe we'll maybe we'll go on the Tonight Show and do the show live from the Tonight hey. Show, and everyone could say they started on Crenshaw and Wilshire in Hancock Park, baby. That's right. Dr- hey, dream dream big, buddy. We'll be hosting the damn Tonight Show. I okay. want to take that over from Jimmy Fallon. Like, That's let's it. go. Yes. Very first bald guest of the Tonight Show uh, in history. So that it's <laughs> yeah. we gotta we gotta dream big. Yeah, we gotta dream big, just like. The man who made—I don't know—I was trying to do a trying to do a hot segue there, and it just did not fucking work. It fell apart. The oh no! He he apart. crashed the segue. He drove the segue off the cliff, like the creator of the segue did. Fuck! Oh no! Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> that was me screaming when I crashed the fucking segue. But anyway, we're doing the segue. Crash, bang, slam. Nina, you brought us an album and a movie. We're gonna start with the album. What did you bring us, Chef? I brought, I wanted to do so many different things. Um, I almost thought about doing yeah. Juno just to keep it. I just wanted to talk to you guys about Juno because I would be so interested to hear your thoughts. But um, one of the artists I really love that I went to school with is named McGee. And he's a producer, but he also has his own project, McGee. And he just did, um, he just wrote on yeah. uh, Dijon's new album. Dijon's album. Yeah. yeah, he produced yeah. it. And then he also wrote on, Travis Scott's new album or Drake or something. There's like a song with Drake and Travis Scott that he wrote on with Charlie Day Wilson. It's, I think I think it's the song on Certified Lover Boy with Travis Scott. So I think yes. that's what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he he yeah. cut on that too. Um but he yeah, I used to put on shows and Mason, you went to these shows. I used to put on shows in college in their backyard because one of my friends is his really his was his roommate and um I just loved his his album that came out during college, which there are so many songs that are really popular now. You being one of them, I think that's kind of his like marquee song for his project. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I love all of his projects. And, and during quarantine, at the beginning of quarantine, I think that's when this album came out. Or maybe this album came out in 2018 or something. I can't remember. Um, the one we're talking about today did come out in 2018. So yeah. in the in in a time when there was no novel coronavirus, if you could believe it. Damn, yeah. Dude. And it's oh. called Fool, and it's an EP. I don't think it's a record, but or an LP. But they, um, but he wrote this EP, and at first listen, it didn't feel like the other album. The other album was like hit after hit after hit after hit, and this felt more poetic. And so it took me longer to get into, but I think I was probably going through something. It's right around when I went through a breakup in college, so I'm sure I was listening to it a lot. But um, I'm just a huge fan of his production. He's just, I think he's just a musical genius and has such an understanding of music that he's able to break so many rules. And I'm sure that you guys can hear it in, in the EP. 
Um, but it just sounds so different. And I, I feel like I either talked to him or somebody around that time when it was coming out and they were, he was talking about how he didn't like the sound of acoustic guitars. I'm hoping this is true, but he didn't like the sound of acoustic guitars, but he found one that he did like, and he was like, I want to try to do a project and use this. And you can hear it, obviously. It's like super prominent. Um, it almost sounds like a bass guitar that he's like using a pick with, like a, a bass acoustic guitar with like a thick pick. It's just like such an interesting sound. But um, yeah, I think it's just like really unique. There's no one that really sounds like him, in my opinion. And I just, he's one of those artists that I really don't know how he does it. I listen to it over and over again. I'm super into production. I'm very interested in that world. And every time I listen to his music, I try to figure out how he does what he does or what his sessions might look like. And I just have no idea. And I think it's the same way I feel about animation where I'm like, I'm not going to go trying to chase after that sound. I'm just so happy that it exists. And I feel very lucky that there's like an artist that I, and then I have a handful of these, but like, he really takes his time. He's very patient. He doesn't rush his work. And when he comes out with something, it's like a very, um, I'm always like super excited to see like what he's going to do differently. Cause he doesn't tend to do the same thing twice, but he still sounds consistently like himself, which I think is like pretty masterful. He's super sweet. He's like a, such a nice guy. Um, you just so met him nice. through like you guys went to college together. Is that how you just met him? Yeah. So when I was at USC, I spent a lot of time with the kids at the music school and sure um the co- the comedians like it's so funny mason i hear you talking about movies and i'm like i don't it's i'm a director and i don't watch movies i probably listen to more yeah. records than i do watch movies or tv even it's like so rare um and i get asked all the time like what my favorite movies or tv shows are and i i don't i just don't unless it's like a documentary i love documentaries um but uh so I just spent a lot of time with them and I would go to shows or just like hang out with them. I just had a good time. Awesome. And so, yeah. And he was friends with like a lot of people that I knew. So we're not like super tight or anything. Um, but I just like admire him from afar. I think he's great. Mason. How you doing down there? You're down there. In I'm rocking screen. Actually, you know what? Down, down there in Chicago, down, down there in, uh, yeah, down yeah. There in fucking Logan square. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to shift Mina to the bottom of my screen so that you and I are on top <laughs> and Mina's on the bottom. Hmm. Sorry, Nina. Sorry. It's fine. Also, you haven't wished me happy birthday yet. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get that on record. It's passed. That's fine. It, I know you don't really like me that much. Um, and so Mason, I'm curious, any experience with this, this guy or whatever? I, so Nina mentioned this in our little uh, in our little text group chat that we had going here, and um, I it was not immediately familiar to me. I would admit that I went to maybe two or three of those shows that you had in in the backyard there, and when you sent the um, the album for Pronounced McGee, I was like, oh, that backyard looks familiar. I think there's probably a picture of me. I, I'm thinking about the picture of me. Yeah. In like my black sweater, blowing bubbles, and Anthony Abachi sitting in the car going like this, which I think is like right in front of that garage that's there. And yeah. I'm like, oh dang, like that's that that looks familiar. But I could not remember if I had heard this uh, guy's music before during a show or 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 whenever. So this is an entirely new to me thing. No, how about yes. you? Tell us what's up. So I thought this was an entirely new to me thing. But when I was getting the notes together for me for this show, so I had, you know, so I'm not walk, walking the trapeze of podcasting without a net right below me, mm-hmm. I realized 
I've been listening to this guy kind of a lot recently without knowing it because I've been listening to that album by Dijon absolutely on repeat non-stop. It's probably my favorite album from 2021. And again, I don't listen, I don't devour albums in the same way that I do music. I've said that on the show before, but from what I did hear of 2021, it's like infectious. You know, it is... I can't stop listening to it. And I usually listen to the whole thing. I don't usually, like, pick out a song. There are a couple songs that I do. But normally I'm just going to put on the whole thing and have that little 30-minute experience of listening to that. So, yes, I have been listening to this guy a lot, a lot recently because I love, 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 love Absolutely by Dijon. I love everything about that album. No, what's the song that I like off the Dijon album? You like Many Times. Okay, yeah. Which is a fucking banger. That, the dress. The dress is so good. It's so, so good. good. There's the, the the many times the dress, and then I would argue talk. Is it talk down? Talk down. Is that the name yeah. of the song? Those three are sort of like the ones I think you can sort of pick out. Maybe Rodeo Clown, too. Those are the ones you can sort of pick out and listen to just on the own. But that whole album, man, Mason, wink, wink. Get ready to maybe talk about it on the show one day. Um, But wink, wink on the <laughs> Fuck! We're gonna talk about that one too. Fuck! That's you right now. You're so excited. So I am so I, excited. I did not. I did not know it was McGee. Mike yeah. Golden is, I guess, the real is the is the true name. We're gonna unearth him here. Um, and I love, 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 absolutely by Dijon. And I literally, this is not this is not some talk show story that is completely fabricated. That I'm about to say this is 100 percent real. I'm listening to this album EP, whatever you want to call it, for the first time. And I'm like, who does he sound like? He sounds so familiar to someone that I know, but it's like an in-between. And then the album EP Spotify radio kicked in after the album played. The first song that played after was The Dress by Dijon. And I'm like, that's fucking it. The second song that played was Jasmine by Jai Paul, which we covered on the show a few weeks ago. And I'm like, he's kind of an in-between of Jai Paul yeah. and Dijon a little bit. And that's kind of where Noah, I landed you, with it. Noah and Nina, do you guys have you uh what's your guys' history with Toro E. Moi? Because yeah. he popped up on my radio when I was listening to this album. And that was I had a similar thing, Noah, where I'm like, this guy is right between McGee is right between some artists. I can't quite place it. And then uh, it was like rec- like you know, uh, more like this, and it was like the Toro e Moi Spotify playlist. I'm like, oh, that's it, that's it. I really like Toro e Moi. And then just today, when I was listening to the album again for the show, I was like, oh, wait a minute, Jasmine hyphen or parentheses demo is really coming into my head right now. I wonder what's up with that. Why I'm thinking about Jasmine demo by Chai Paul? Yeah, I fucking wonder. Um, Toro e Moi, I listened to that Outer Peace album from 2019. Wasn't crazy about it, but I think if I went back and sort of dug into maybe some of their older stuff, I'd like it. What is is that that is that normally their thing? Is that normally how they sound, or do they normally sound different than that? Uh, I would I no I would so after listening to Fool for the first time, I listened to Boo Boo. Um, okay, it's outer piece. Mm, here's the thing: I listen to a lot of Toro e Moi. I listen to What for a lot when I first moved to LA, and then Boo Boo right when I did, and then. 
I remember or, um, hearing Ordinary Pleasure and thinking that it didn't quite sound... I like that song and that album a lot, Outer Peace, but thinking that it didn't quite sound like what I was used to his music sure. sounding like. But I have not revisited either earlier album in a number of years. That's a lie. I just re-listened to Mirage <laughs> off Boo Boo a couple days ago, and I like that song a lot. Uh, but that's a little... Um, it's it's different-ish. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. Great. Then I don't know either. But... <laughs> We get back on fucking track here, uh, McGee, Nina. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite? What are your favorite tracks off this little project? And then what makes? I know you talked about it a little bit already, but to even get more into it, what makes this project sing to you? Why do you like it so much? What 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 really gets your goat with this one? I I mean, let me pull it up real quick, McGee. Yes. I um I guess technically it's an album, so um. I don't have a favorite. It's one of those albums that um, is an experience listening to it. I feel like it's just one song. Like, it feels like top to bottom one song that I can just listen to straight. Like, it's very rare that I I wouldn't pick a song off of it and just drop it in a playlist. Like, except for maybe, like, Come On, because Come On is, again, like, such a bop. Like, you could throw it on, like, a summer playlist or, like, a party playlist or something. But I feel like when I listen when I'm listening to this album, it's like a comfort album for me. It's the same way I feel about like Continuum. It's the same way I feel about, I mean, a lot of John Mayer um, guitar driven albums. I can always kind of listen to over and over again. I think also it's pacing. This is this album is something I listen to when I'm in a very specific mood. It's like in the winter if I'm driving and it's yeah. cold out. Like I always pretty put on pensive. This kind of, yeah, it's very pensive. And I mean, his his most recent record is even more pensive. It's like dark LA at night. Like it, I just like whenever I listen to that oh, album, it's yeah. like super just like driving alone in your car on Western or whatever, and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm kind of in it right now. But this, sure. the only album I, or the only song I don't like or always kind of avoid for some reason is uh, SI. I don't know why it's like the bonus track number seven. Yeah, it doesn't hit for mm-hmm. me. Like it just doesn't. I don't. I don't know why I don't. Um, connect to it but go ahead mm-hmm. well i was just gonna say that like drown kind of ends and fades yeah. out and it feels like that's a good kind of place for that project to to complete and then here comes this bonus track which is you know i it, it, it's a bonus track i kind of assume that maybe it's different on i don't know if there's a physical release of this that it's not on there uh and it's like maybe just on spotify or something but i'm kind of i'm kind of with you nina there's not a lot of ca- cases where think a bonus track justifies its inclusion um you know on a on a project like this but no do you have anything any any particular thought on that well uh i mean i don't know about i I mean whenever i think of bonus tracks i think of we actually covered this album on the show the simple plan album no pads no helmets just balls uh yeah there is a don't do that about that that's a good fucking album uh there is a bonus track on there and it like has a bunch of space because this was re- that album was released in the heyday of CDs. Yeah. So there's like a there's like a like thirty to sixty second just like silence, and then all of a sudden this song comes in that goes like, "Burnout, this is who I am and this is what I like." Burnout. It's like that teen anthemy type shit. Yeah. And it was on a game that I used to play. It was on a like Disney oh, licensed. Tony Hawk ripoff game. Yeah. And it was like the menu oh. music. 
for that. And then I learned that that was sort of like a hit. It was a hidden track, actually, is what it was. Maybe it wasn't even a bonus track. It was like a hidden track where you just had to be patient or whatever. I think the days of hidden tracks maybe are gone unless we yeah. Yeah. get back to the world of physical media all of a yeah. sudden and you know the whole network crashes or whatever. But I'm. I, it's interesting you said that SI is usually the one that doesn't hit for you because I listen to this album, I would say, two and a half times. Two full times and then like one time right before we started just to get a taste of each yeah. track so it was fresh in my mind. The one that never ever fully hit for me was brick oh, brick that, never oh fully that's got there for me that'll change it's this this album is so funny because i i went through these phases with this album where i listened to it and i was like i don't really like this or it wasn't i don't like it but i was like i just don't connect to this song so i'm just skipping through skipping through skipping through but it's the weirdest it's like one of those albums where the more you listen to it the more it settles into your like psyche and the more you feel comforted by it and Brick might be one of my favorites on the record Whoa! now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's also such a, it's such a beautiful, like, lyrically, too. I think a lot of what Mike does, it's very great. Uh, is he's not overcomplicated with his lyrics. Like, he's, he's like a poet. He just writes very beautiful, poetic lyrics. And the production is fantastic. And those things together create this kind of very soothing experience. Um but that I love. The, I love the lyrics in Brick. I love them. Okay, okay. We'll see how it's. We'll see how it settles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Over time. Yeah, I a Brick. Brick was like kind of the, the my three favorites on this album are Wheel, Brick, and Drown. Um, oh, and I, yeah, I'm kind of. I I would agree with you on the point, Nita, that this is an album that you kind of have to let maybe sublimate a little bit. Um, this isn't normally like what uh 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 it's not this kind of music is not always my vibe where i'm at in my life yeah. right now i was you know um if it's i i, I would say this here's what i want to say i'm gonna maybe make a roundabout point but come come back to what i'm trying to get to uh we talked about it last week with heaven ramirez on our show um the film uh, we talked about the film girlhood by celine siyama mm-hmm. and i mentioned that portrait of a lady on fire what it's actually not the last movie i saw in theaters but was one of the last movies i saw in theaters before lockdown happened in 2020 mm-hmm. and it was at the arc Light chicago and i was lucky enough to attend a screening that celine siyama was at for a q a um, and so that movie ends and I'm just like feeling just fucking electric. I just wanted to hear what, you know, Celine Siama has to say about this. And I, Noah's seen Portrait of Lady on Fire. Nina, have you seen Portrait of Lady on Fire? I'm a gay She's, woman. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Stupid she was, question. She was, all right, first, all right. she was first in yeah. line, umbrella, like tent, waiting for that shit to crack open at the arc light, baby. But she made this point that, um, you know, the, uh, it's Vivaldi's, winter fall one of you know the the string piece in that or maybe it's spring i'm not sure but there's like there's there's only one um like kind of you know which is interesting because in girlhood there's like this kind of there's a score underneath it there's this great sequence set to diamonds by rihanna uh and in portrait of a lady on fire you know the kind of the soundtrack is like the the waves crashing on the shore um sort of at noise in the atmosphere of this this island that they're on and then there's this um, this this classical music piece, which really strikes a you know it, it it means something to the relationship. Basically, it comes back only twice in the movie, and she made this point that 
you know, in the 1800s or whatever, it was so rare that you would just like casually listen to music that you just have it. You would have to either be someone in a, a position in society so you could see it live or like have some kind of training or something. And nowadays it's it's just everywhere. Like you can't yeah. go to fucking Walgreens without hearing someday by Sugar Ray playing every time you go in. You get in your car, your phone connects to the Bluetooth, it starts playing the first starts playing uh, a starts punk. playing a <laughs> exactly a punk by vampire weekend. Yeah. Um and when I was living in LA, you know, I just one of my favorite things to do, one of the things that I would do if I was just like in my apartment and like wigging out because I was like so lonely and so stressed out was just like put an album or a podcast on and drive around and just like kind of make that the sort of tapestry or the character of that night in LA. Um, And I listened to this album and I know that if I had like that car, that kind of experience driving around listening to is this would fit that a little different, fit my vibe a little better, but being in like chilly Chicago, just like listening to this in my apartment on like a Saturday morning with like a coffee or something. Um, no, I uh, not initially, but wheels. Uh, New Year didn't really do anything for me at the top, but wheel started. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of I'm with it where where, where wheel is. Uh, I like the the grooviness of that particular track there, and then you know the the middle two tracks also kind of were I was struggling to to meet the music where it was and then where when brick comes in there's some energy there's some conflict there's a little zhuzh and same with drown i feel like there's a lot of a depth a lot of depth to that and knowing that those having the whole album like in my mind the second time really made me ease into it a little little better yeah, yeah. um i think that just might just be a character of you know electronic music production or whatever you want to categorize it i think that mcgee mike i'm i'm not his name is mike, mike you said golden. yeah Mike yeah. Gordon. Mike Golden. I think he's, I, like, I regardless of, like, how the music just vibed with me personally, I think he's just a tremendously talented producer. Yeah. And there was something that was at least interesting in each of these tracks that I felt like I could at least hook into, even if it wasn't, like, getting under my skin quite right away. Um, Noah? What? Talk about this album, please. Fine. Uh... <laughs> Three things that yeah. I was thinking about when you guys were talking just now. So I was fortunate enough when I, my favorite podcast was active. Uh, it's on hiatus right now, so this is technically a cross-promotion, but it, it, it counts. It'll clue in. I was lucky enough to have the front man and main songwriter of Spanish Love Songs, Dylan Slocum, on the pod. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about something that you were talking about, Mason, which is that just music is everywhere now. And he talks about he was very passionate and very like felt this way and I don't want to put words in his mouth so if you really want to hear what he was saying specifically go listen to that episode it's a really good he does a great job he's very articulate very cool guy but he was saying how the fact that music is just casually on in Walgreens and Target and the grocery store devalues the music as an art form and that kind of didn't really register with me that point right away when he was saying it I was like well, it's, it's on, you know, like they, they want to play something. And then I sort of realized as he kept talking about it that it's like they don't care what the music is. They're just trying yeah. to distract you so that you buy paper towels or you buy oatmeal or you buy, you know, toilet bowl cleaner, whatever the fuck you're there to do. So I thought that was very interesting, that point with the Celine Siama thing. And I don't know if this album is necessarily my vibe either, but much like a film, we were talking about Licorice Pizza earlier, much like Phantom Thread, 
I didn't think I was going to like Phantom Thread because of the sort of the setting and the subject matter. And that's a great movie. And I kind of feel that way about Fool, where I don't think I would throw this on, but because we had to listen to it, because we are contractually obligated to listen to Fool by McGee, by the gun pointing at us right now from Nina, uh, I really enjoyed it, you know, for the most part. And I actually kind of disagree with you, Nina, that I think that you can play these songs out of you know its album cycle yeah, yeah, because yeah. they each do have such a particular vibe to them mm-hmm. but a unified sound that he's created and i agree mason this guy is i mean without even knowing it he's the one of the best producers like of all time in my book i mean that fucking dijon album is unreal in its production uh i my favorite three tracks uh well here's what i'll say actually First time I listened to this, New Year and Wheel were not hitting for me. And so I was a little bit like, yoy, am I going to like this? Is this going to like hit for me? Is it going to happen? Then when Come On, uh, You Know That I'm a Fool, or was it, yeah, You Know That I'm a Fool, parentheses, came on, that's when I was in. I was like, okay, this kind of a banger. I like this. Then I wasn't really sure, you know, going through, but eventually at some point in each of the subsequent songs, Numb, Brick, Drown, and SI, the bonus track, I got in at some point. I was I was let in at some point into that song. And that's kind of how I have to think about this kind of music. It's like, I might not be right there from the rip, but I feel like because of his talent as a producer, because of his talent as a beat maker, because of his compositional skills, I was mostly in to most songs. And for an out and I don't listen to lyrics like in this setting the way that I would listen to lyrics in like a Paul Simon song. I just am like letting shit sort of wash over me. Had a really interesting experience with this album, and I do agree that every time you throw it on, it's gonna be a little different. Things are gonna hit for you. I now am into the song New Year or the songs New Year and Wheel. I do now gave those a little heart on Spotify. Brick, I was never able to fully come around on. But my three favorites are New Year, Come On, You Know That I'm a Fool and drown the production specifically you could just put drown on for someone with good headphones and be like that is how you layer a fucking song together because every sound pops up right when he wants it to and each thing gets their own little spotlight but it's still got a great spine to it this is a crazy album (laughs) is what i'll say it's a crazy fucking it's such a ride because it is it is so new in specific (laughs) that that it's not something i would send to everybody but it is something i think everybody would appreciate because of how clearly gifted he is and if you're like i think i think it's also like an album for like people who really love music and are like music obsessed because it's so it's so yeah it's so rare like i just i don't know I, i just feel like he does whatever he wants in a way that I really trust that um, even when something doesn't hit, I'm so interested to keep listening to see what he does. And I think that that's like a really valuable trait in an artist. And uh, and he's so careful with his work that I'm like, these albums are here or this, these songs are here for a reason. And I'm sure that there are dozens. And that's the thing about music too. The, the more I kind of get into it and then that world, it is just bonkers how many songs people write and never put out just dozens and dozens Mm -hmm. of songs so i always try to think about that when i go into these albums too and and it's one of these albums that like i remember when it came out and again i'm kind of reiterating myself but i was so used to his sound before which was very like um pop 
singles like they felt very standalone and very again kind of summary and then um there was a song on his album produced mcgee called i that feels like this album which i think helped me get into fool a, a lot more because it feels like a slowed down song it's very stripped away and i just remember driving through san luis obispo back to la oh, wow. and yeah. listening to that song and just being and i listening to i and just being so moved by it that when this came out i knew when and how to listen to it whereas if this just came out and i just like dry listen to it i'd be like i don't know what's going on like um it's it's just yeah i know it's just a listening experience it's very different than anything else that i really have done and then also to your guys's point about music like and how we've kind of um we don't value it the same way i'm reading this book right now by david byrne i got from the Let's talking go. oh my god yeah uh called how music works and it's really fucking good it, it feels like sapiens but about music it's really awesome and he talks about that. He talks about the history of music and sound and how back when people were doing orchestral performances uh, in the 1600s or whatever, people would request the same song like five times. Because, That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Because That's awesome. they couldn't get it anywhere else and they didn't know when they would get it again or if That's that awesome. composer would get an infection and die. Like you just had no idea what was going to happen and these people yeah. felt like they were touched by God. And it wasn't until the phonograph became, I'm like reading right now about how when the phonograph became an invention, people could listen to music in their homes, um, but then expected to hear music the way they were hearing it in their homes live. And then artists had to kind of do this dance of like creating pre-recorded music and then also performing live and how they're two completely different things. Um, yeah. Which is something we deal with a lot today, obviously. We have a lot of artists who. Yeah. If, as that. I understand, like, yeah, there's there's also a thing where, like, as I understand it, the reason why, like, the transatlantic accent more or less disappeared is because that particular album, that, album, that particular, like, pitch of voice was, like, the best that the microphones at the time could pick up. Yeah, interesting. And as sound, yeah, as, as, as sound technology expanded, you can get more, like, kind of vocal, I guess, range or whatever um and now you know that that accent is you don't hear it in the movies as much so that was uh, sort of like a put on type thing yeah it was it was mostly trained and i think mostly learned um and uh but yeah it disappeared once uh you know generations were coming in that didn't need to have that necessarily to get picked up uh in a proper like kind of articulation you know two things two things i want to talk about and then if we can either keep going or moving on, depending on where, yeah, yeah, where yeah. we're at with things. But what was the name of the previous album with the backyard that you love so much? Pronounced McGee. Pronounced Pronounce- McGee. Okay. So I tried listening to, or tried listening. I did listen to uh, Pronounced McGee as well because I was interested and I didn't like it as much. Whoa, just on the whole. Really? But mm. I think it's because, and this happened long time ago on the show, long time ago in a, in a podcast far, far away. We were covering the album Miami Memory by Alex Cameron. Are you at all familiar with Alex Mm -hmm. Cameron? No. I don't know if you would like him, to be totally honest with you. I don't know if that's quite your vibe, but I really like him. Maybe you would as well. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, the first album I ever heard of Alex Cameron's was Miami Memory, which was an album he released in 2019. And I pretty much fell in love with that album and him as an artist like immediately. Mm -hmm. But... The more I looked into it, it seemed as though more people were into his previous release, which is called False Witness. 
And I had a really hard time getting into false witness sort of on the whole originally, but it was because I heard Miami Memory first. And Miami Memory is less ironic on the whole than false witness yeah. is. And I really liked sort of the balance he strikes in Miami Memory. And I sort of felt that way here, where I feel like if I had heard pronounced McGee first, I would mm-hmm. like it more than Fool. But because yeah. I heard Fool first, I'm like, well, this is who this guy is to me. And so yeah. I can't not want to hear what I liked about Fool in pronounced McGee. And you're right. Some of that does exist in pronounced McGee, mm-hmm. but mostly it doesn't, I think. Mostly it does sort of feel more on the tip of come on but like cranked up to 11 where it is sort of more summer jam type shit so i just thought that was interesting i thought that was very interesting with this Um, yeah but i don't know if you'd like alex cameron nina to be honest with you but i think it's worth a little spin on your end he's married to jemima kirk and i like her yeah Mm -hmm. what's not to like what's not to like about (laughs) jemima kirk that's what i'm saying That's what I'm saying. Oh, can I get a fucking Mason? Also, I've entered. I can't believe it's taken me almost 50 minutes to introduce this, but I did find a free text to speech online. Mason, give a kissy, please. So we got text to speech going right there. So Mason, give a kissy, please. But I also got to hit the McDonald's flute for that. And also, I do want to want to shout out the channel that I get this McDonald's flute from. It's called The Mad Fluter on YouTube. They have 118 subscribers. Most of the videos have like less than 10 views, except for this McDonald's flute one, which has how many? Like 150,000. So go send some love. Which is just which is just you. Which is just all from you, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're going on drives, putting that on repeat in the car, just like going to Portland, driving around Portland, going through the subway drive-through, getting a sandwich, coming (laughs) home, and the entire time just. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. <laughs> so you got to give some love to the Mad Fluter. I've listened to the, to the flute drop 100,000 times. I'm most of the listeners. Yeah, we've got enough of the Mad Tutor. Noah Merger. Noah M. And now it's time to give your love to the Mad Fluter. <laughs> fuck! Fuck, 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 fuck! All right. Anyone got, any, anyone got anything else fun or smart to say uh, about Fool by McGee? Not really. I. It's one of those albums. It's so I, silly that I picked this one because it's one of those albums that I can't really even pin down. And but I think that's sure. why I like it. I just can't. There's so many things I can't pin down. Yeah. And he'll be out of time sometimes with his um, production, and I love it. Like, and he'll use like really like um, just like unique sounds of cracks and snaps that I think verge on asmr that i like really love i'm not like an asmr person but like i just love how crisp it is and how unified the sound is and it's one of those albums similar to a john mayer album that i can just really listen to anytime all the time but also i go through phases where i'm not like listening to listening to it right now but i will every few months go through a phase where i just well, listen to it because it, I associate yeah. it with a feeling, and then when I feel that feeling, I just listen to that record. What is uh? I gotta ask the question because I don't know, yeah. and you guys are gonna embarrassingly have to tell me one way or the other. Is ASMR a sexual thing? Like, do people derive sexual pleasure from ASMR? You can, but I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's exclusively sexual. I think it's soothing. I think for the okay. majority of people, it's really soothing. I would I would argue that someone like uh, Billie Eilish is ASMR, like the way that she okay. sings and how personal it is. Uh, speaking about like what you guys were talking about microphones, um, 
the evolution of the microphone changed how people performed. And so you have someone like Chet Baker and the way that Chet Baker sings or like Zhao Gilberto, um, they yeah. like whisper sing, right? And they were the kind of the first people to do it. And I would argue that that's the level of ASMR for sure. Got you. Okay. It yeah. always kind of creeped me out a little bit and it always felt like there was something kind of sinister happening with ASMR. So I never really dove, dove deep, but I get that, I guess, you know? Yeah, I think ASMR is just anything that's like on a kind of frequency that helps you relax, which is my okay. why my ASMR is uh, VHS uploads of Siskel and Ebert videos on YouTube. And that's just what I put on when I want to like go to bed, when I want to cook, when I just need to like get myself nice and even. Go yeah. re- like and retweet Mason's TikTok dance that he created it's on also- Twitter. It's also on YouTube. Uh, I did upload it to YouTube, so you can look up TikTok dance number one under my name, and uh, you can see, you can see that. It's a good thing. It's one of the best things. It's truly one of my favorite, one of my favorite new videos on the internet. If I'm being, I'm honest. glad. Um, should we do fast facts and do the wrap up shit? Are we yeah. good to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do, do that. There's not a ton of information about this man nope. available online. Private so, guy. A little bit of a private man. So I pulled some quotes, some questions and answers from a two interviews he did in July of last year. This first one comes from DIY Mag, and this was an interview he gave to DIY Mag in July of 20. I said last year, I'm still writing 2021 on my damn homework. What the fuck? Uh, this is from July of 2020, which is technically not last year. Haha. Uh, the question is, who were some artists that inspired you when you were just starting out and why? This is a very interesting response, I think. First time I got into the Black Keys was pretty life-changing. I wouldn't even say I was like the biggest Black Keys fan, but they kind of opened the door to a realization that attitude is also how things sound, not just how you perform slash sing it. I was like, quote, what the fuck they meant for it to what the fuck they meant for it to sound like this, end quote. Their first couple records I was into around the ages of 12 and 13, like Thick Freakness and Rubber Factory. Great fucking album. Rubber Factory, so good. Uh, I was making demos at the time and tried to copy that sound, embracing the few tools I had and leaning into my limitations like they did. The demos sucked, but that wasn't the point. There is attitude and stories in the way things are recorded. It's not always about finding the cleanest, most perfect sounds. Much more often, it's the opposite if you want some sort of sonic story. That was encouraging when I realized that. He then later goes on to say, Sly Stone changed my whole life as well around that age. Hell so yeah. fucking raw. A lot of funk and R&B really didn't click for me at a young age because everything was so perfect and sparkly, especially once it crossed the second half of the 70s. Funk can be too much, too cool, and too suave for me sometimes. Sly was dirty and unapologetic. Everything was clipping and sloppy, but in the most congruent way possible. The nuance had so much magic, so much personality in every part and in every take, regardless if it was conventionally a quote-unquote clean take. The magic is in the personality. It leaks into everything. The Mm -hmm. recording, the writing, the singing. I record now thinking every part has to have a specific personality slash attitude. If it doesn't, then it gets cut. Larry Graham's got to be one of my favorite bass players, too. Stupid good. I feel that's such a great answer to that question. You know, fucking nailed yeah. that. I love that for him. Um, this next section is a little shorter, and there are two excerpts from uh, Lithium Magazine. He did an interview both in July of 2020 as well with Lithium. And he says, quote, I realized this past year that my favorite artists all lean into that paradox. I don't necessarily fit into a lane perfectly, and I haven't really found a pre-existing group to find personal meaning in. 
I think a lot of my favorite artists also didn't really find a specific lane they fit into either. I think that's just more truth in that 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 was the purpose of the tape, to accept that there's not a lot of specific lanes for me, so I need to create my own. I was just looking for a different kind of magic in this tape, and I took a lot of chances. Lithium then goes on to say, I imagine it must be both exciting and isolating to feel that you don't fit into any established category. He then says, it's totally isolating because you can't just hop into a discussion that's already happening, but it's more liberating than anything. Music is all about taking chances for me, and a lot of these chances in the studio started out as jokes. They started out as these why not instances, like, quote, wouldn't it be crazy if the song burst into a giant organ ensemble as the second part of the song? I think those jokes are usually your best ideas disguised. I love that phrasing. You're just too scared to say them. Those ideas are usually your best. And then he also goes on to say, Lithium says, do you feel like you succeeded in accomplishing what you had in mind for this tape? He says, I think so, yeah. I got what I was reaching for, but it also just kind of came out. The more I live with it, the more I'll understand what I can take away from it and what I just can let, and what I can just let live in this project. Lithium says, yeah, growing experience. Do you have any updates on regarding your tour plans? says, the way things look right now, who knows? I'm not really focused on that. I'm just focused on helping and healing in any way possible. If that's not touring, that's fine. It's cool with me. Lithium says, definitely, I understand that it kind of feels silly to be thinking about all that right now. Yeah, I'm not here to just make music. I'm looking to use music for something greater. It's okay to take a step back and just not create stuff for content's sake. As long as you're continuing to want to learn, grow, teach, and help, you don't have to, you don't have to pause being a good person to make art. We can find time to do both. So fucking cool. Yeah. So well fucking said. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super well Crushed said. on that one. Yeah. Um, Nina. <laughs> Nina, <laughs> Nini. Noni. Oh, friend. Nomi. Still haven't wished me a happy birthday, but we are going to do this thing on the show mm-hmm. called the Mercedes Valuable Player. I know what it is. You know what it is, but Mason always forgets every single week what it is. So I, I got to explain it to him real quick, okay? I got I to gotta step back and put my teacher hat on real quick. Mercedes Valuable Players, of course, the what, who, which, when, or where of a movie or album that we cover on this show that is kind of your, your, your shining beacon. It's the thing that you most like from it, the thing you want to shout out specifically, uh, it's named after Mercedes Ruel from Married to the Mob, the Jonathan Demi film, which we covered with Ian Campbell. And that's, I think that covers it, right, Mason? That's usually what I say every single week, right? That's the gist. You got it. I got it. So, Nina, knowing that now, because I know you knew what that was, uh, what, who, when, which, or what is your Mercedes Viable player for Fool by McGee? I would say it's a tie. Well, I can give you, you a specific. Give a I can give you a specific and a kind of non-specific. I think Drown sure. production for me is just so cool and moves so well that I just I can listen to it all the time. I can listen sure. to it if I'm on a run. I can listen to it in the car. I can listen to it laying on my floor. It's just very cool. And to Mason's point, so or I mean to your point, Noah, each layer is just such. I mean, in fucking using Mike's language, I guess. Every layer has its own personality and it's just so um, fluid and just makes so much sense, but also, again, unpinnable, very unpinnable. And then in Brick, I really love his performance, his vocal performance in Brick, because it does feel very story-driven and it feels like he is being very confessional 
Um, I normally, even with music, it doesn't matter the song, but it always feels like a monologue in a musical to me. Like whatever the song is and whatever the point of view is, and I'm like, oh, it's a good character singing to you about something specific. And I have the lyrics pulled up, and there aren't that many lyrics. It's very short. It's very um, ambiance driven. It's very like musically driven. But the lyrics are um, that always stick with me in his performance specifically. He says, "It's not like I never tried to be the brick." You lay with at night, at night. I tried, I tried. It's it's not often that you'd see a big rock with a little stone like me. And I just really love that. I don't know. It's yeah. so simple. It's so sweet. And his vocal performance, he like, when he says a uh, big rock with a little stone like me, he like starts to whisper and it feels like something he's like, um, not too stoked to admit, or like, it's like very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And that just always stuck with me when I listened to that song. Cause I normally listen to this I just haven't been listening to music recently in like a super consumed consumed way. Like I won't put on music in the background anymore. Or like I, if I'm driving, I'll listen to something specific. Sure. Um, just because it's just, otherwise I don't care about what I'm listening to ever. It doesn't feel special. Um, which makes it really fun to listen to music. And so every time I listen to something like this, I either have great headphones on or they're coming through my system and, it's just it's just like makes me really emotional i don't know that that last lyric just makes me really feel for him and i think it's i don't know those are my big ones hell yeah mm. uh lovely choices uh i'm gonna ruin the moment by saying it's kind of ironic when musicians are named uh mike Mason, who, what, which, when, or what is your Mercedes valuable player? Terrible. For fool. Yeah, terrible. Fucking atrocious. Should stop doing this. Awful, (laughs) awful, awful. Uh, I'm going to give mine just to the track Drown, like uh, like Nina was saying there. I think it's just, um, I I just like how that uh, song develops and and the the depth that it has. Um, And it's one of those songs that I kind of wish would uh, just play for for forever. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this one a very high conditional recommend just because I think maybe it would sublimate a little better on maybe one or two more listens. And it's still just like a, a, a taste thing for me personally, you know. But again, I think that that Mike uh, and McGee is 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 super talent a super talented producer. And when his tracks would come up on like the Spotify radio after listening to this, I was like, this stuff I I really do like him. Um, you know this in this project here, Fool. Um, you know I I think once I get used to his his sound, like kind of the the what he's playing with, maybe it would speak to me a little a little more. Like it does, sounds like it does to you guys. Him, I'm really hot on. This project, not quite there, so it's a very high conditional recommend from me. Noah? Uh, I'm going to give a co-Mercedes Valuable player here. Uh, I'm going to give it to the song Come On, You Know That I'm a Fool, because that is sort of the track that unlocked this damn thing for me the first time around, and on each subsequent both full listen and half listen, I was still like, yep, this song fucking kicks ass every single time. And then I need your guys' help actually deciphering it, because I can't tell what the instrument is, but I think it's the guitar in Drown. Yeah. Is it a guitar or is it a synth? Do we know or is it both? That like thick string sound? It, yeah, I, I again, I, it's hard for me to just decipher if that's a synth or if that's actually a string that he's plucking on. I don't know. No but idea. that sound in in Drown no gets idea. my yeah. co-Mercedes Valuable player because it's, yeah. I don't know what it is, but at first I thought it was a synth and then on the second listen I was like, oh, that actually 
sounds like a guitar, but it could be easily a program that's doing it too, and it could be just be a damn computer. Uh, I'm going to give this a regular old recommend. I'm not quite at the level of full recommend with it yet, but with a caveat, and Nina gave us this caveat when she was bringing it on to the show, listen to this thing on headphones or just don't listen to it at all, baby, because this, you got to get, if you have, whatever your best pair of headphones are, fucking crank it up to 11 and listen to it on those because there's so much going on. And I did actually listen to it in the car just to contrast what the headphone versus the car experience was like. Maybe you have an amazing sound system in your car. Uh, the car I'm driving currently right now, this rental car, has a shitty one. So I was like, you got to just listen to this with headphones on. Um, so that's my, I'll give it a regular old recommend, but definitely have some headphones. And Nina, we didn't even ask you. Do you recommend Fool by the Gee? I highly recommend it, but with the caveat that you it will be foreign to you the first time you listen to it. And to just trust that it it just grows on you in a very um uh how do you say like like a very unassuming way. Like I sure. I fully listened to it the first time and I was like, this isn't for me. And then it just like somehow came back and became it's probably one of my favorite albums in the last 10 years just because oh yeah i don't know maybe it's also a timing thing but i highly recommend but it's conditional also because it's not for everybody like it's not a pop record or anything like that so we got two high conditional recommends a regular recommend you know what that sounds like to me mason give a kissy please that sounds like a mason give a kissy please that also sounds like (laughs) stupid, (laughs) stupid fucking shit but that's the way to get us into our Second and final thing that we got here, Nina, we asked you to bring a movie on as well. Nina, what movie did you bring for us today? I brought Silver Linings Playbook. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Fuck yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite. I love it. Uh, What's your history with this? Why'd you bring it on? Why'd you bring it on to this stupid show? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, like I've said 14 times on this episode alone, I don't watch movies hardly ever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But every time I do, I'm floored by them and I'm inspired again. Um, and I'm like, wow, people should, I should watch movies every day. This is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this was a movie that, it, this was in high school. I think I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. And it came out. My family went to go see it. And I thought it was an animated film. And I had no interest in seeing it. And my mom came home and she said, you should watch this movie, Silver Linings Playback. And I playbook. And I said, I don't think I care to. And then we uh, had ordered it on Netflix once it came out and I had nothing to do or was sick or something. And I watched it and I was so blown away by everything about it that I like, it just spoke to my aesthetic taste. It spoke to my taste in characters and like situations and my taste in comedy um and movement and cutting and everything like it is it's probably the most influential like if you were to watch something that i've done that is specific to me it is that movie the way i shoot things the way i frame things and now i do things a lot differently i'm kind of maturing out of certain styles but like holy shit yeah and jennifer lawrence's performance it was the first time i'd really seen a complicated female character that was like really expressive and explosive and funny and endearing and tragic uh in the same way that i think you know people feel about fleabag a very similar feeling um Mm -hmm. i was addicted to it i watched it once and then i immediately watched it again and i've never done that with a movie in my life 
Amazing. I loved Bradley Cooper's performance. I loved how absurd so many of the moments were and how untethered it was. And I was just like taken for a ride and it all made sense to me. And I, I just loved how the story unfolded. I'm a sucker for a rom-com. If I could do anything in this life, it would be, or if I could do anything in the film industry, I, it would be rom-coms. I don't know how, Let's I don't go. know what it would look like. But I, Let's go. Yes. I yes, doctor. So yes. It's so yes. So yes. Much, Let's go. Yes. <laughs> so much of what I make or do is pretty dark or like dark comedy. Um, with the exception of like film and, or like TV and, uh, what the fuck? With the exception of commercial and music video work, <laughs> uh, I my brain is just not. I'm skipping today. But that's what happens when you get sat down in front of Mason and I. Your brain just starts oh shortening. Like, get I, me out yeah. of here now. Bizarre. I, I really am. I keep calling Mason Jason. I like don't know what's going on. With me. But I, I really loved it. It was performance-wise from Jennifer Lawrence. I'm a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. Like I, the defender. Yeah. Has entered the chat. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Jennifer Lawrence person. Not again, not fangirly, but she's somebody that if I met her, I'd be like, you affected me in a big way growing up, because I really identified with her character. I really loved her performance. I was so blown away by her as a person when she was like doing the late night circuit, which you know everybody was. I mean yeah. that that whole story, on the backside of that movie like the oscar kind of um campaign all of it was so culturally relevant to me for some reason like i felt so in on it and i felt so part of it and it she's a huge reason i am an actor like a massive reason i almost moved to la after seeing that movie to pursue acting starting junior year my mom convinced me to stay to to do my senior year but i really almost went because my sister lived in la and i i hated high school and i moved back from argentina and i just didn't feel rooted in my hometown and all I knew I was going to be leaving and I didn't care for it much and to this day I'm like I'm glad things worked out the way they did I'm very happy with where I'm at and what I've been doing but I don't think I was wrong for wanting to go and I think I would have been just as happy had I gone sure. earlier and that's a, it's mostly due to that movie like I don't know what it is about that movie what special sauce what happened to me watching that movie but something cracked in me and it made me realize like I can make something that makes somebody feel this way, feel yeah. so comforted, so mm-hmm. new, so creatively inspired, or I could go hunting for that feeling again, or I could work with somebody who, um, I, I don't know. I just, there was, so, I, I don't even, I don't even know. I haven't rewatched it in so long. I'm kind of scared to rewatch it because it, I've, I've seen it like 38 times. Like I've obsessively watched it <laughs> as like comfort food for the past 10 years. And I haven't watched it probably in the last like five years. So there was like a five year period of just like, I loved that movie so much. Um, but I'd be interested to hear your guys' take on it now, 10 years later, not 10 years later, whatever, eight years later. It is um, 10 years later. It is 10 years later, actually. It was? It came out in 2012. Yeah. Oh, wild. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. Look at it that. Is. Look at that. Uh, Look at this. Look I, at us. I was also a sophomore, and yeah, I always think you're like way older than I am for some reason. I always think that you're like, yeah, me too, because I met Nina when uh, when I was a junior in college, no, a senior in college, I think, and I was like, oh, she's definitely like a sophomore or junior, so she's like twenty twenty one, but you were like eighteen or nineteen when we met for the first time. I was seventeen, which is I, nuts. I met you when I was seventeen. Okay, even yeah. <laughs> 
Damn. I'm 24, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every time I log into the zoom window, I, I have to check myself and remind myself that I am in fact an old ass man. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an old ass man too. Just turned 25. So the, one old one person in the chat. Bitch. Yeah, I'm an old bitch. And one person actually has wished me happy birthday. That's in here, and one person hasn't. I'm not going to say which one it is. Hey baby, uh, I got a whole another matter. year. I got a whole another year. I, I'll get you on the next lap. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Maybe not. Probably not. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> but I was a sophomore in high school too when this came out, and. I remember having seen The Fighter two years previously when I was 13. And for Mm. whatever reason, that movie made a big impact on me at the time. We're getting a... Great. We'll get through this. (laughs) We'll get through this. Uh, That movie made a big impact on me at the time. uh, And I just remember thinking like, oh, is this guy going to be like a favorite director of mine? Because I was just like so enamored with everything that he like was doing in that movie. And I remember watching Three Kings afterwards, and I remember watching I Heart Huckabees, which we also talked about on the show, uh, way back, actually, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, And I remember this movie being like, I just was like, oh yeah, this is like a special movie. This is going to be a movie that like I come back to and have like a special place in my heart for. Um, And it's and I hadn't really seen it in full since I had seen parts of it, and I had like gone back and watched sections of it. But I kind of forgotten the movie in the sort of watching other things and moving on with my life. It just sort of fell by the wayside. Uh, and it was such an awesome treat to actually rewatch it because not only did I watch it for the first time with my dad in theaters, mm-hmm. because I'm home, I got to rewatch it with my dad again Aww. for the second time. Dude. And this, and my dad does not give a shit about rom coms. He doesn't give a shit about. So good, like, though. It's so movies. good. It's so I know. Good. And this is a, per- this falls in the category of rom-coms for people who don't like rom-coms you know yeah. because it's barely a rom-com in the way that like Notting Hill or Four Weddings and a Funeral is you know it's not we both still loved it again we were both like yeah that still fucking holds up you love the Pat Solitano Bradley Cooper character right from the beginning because you can tell he's struggling and you can tell he's trying to do what he has to do and people are just oh, fucking pushing him around in every way you fear and pity him all both at the same time. You're like, I really hope he doesn't fucking, you know, slide back. I really hope he doesn't have a break. And you pity him because you see how hard he's trying, but you see how misguided he is in what he's doing too. So it's an amazing performance from Bradley Cooper, an amazing, you know, writing in terms of, you know, making that character come to life on the screen in terms of a character writing. But the fucking ensemble in this movie is like, it's insane that all these people were brought together and it does sort of feel like the last bastion of these kinds of movies because I know in my heart of hearts if this movie came out in 2016 or later this would have just been dropped on Netflix streaming and it would have been just we would have blown past it in a week and a half everyone would have talked about yeah. it for a week online and then we would have moved on to whatever you know true crime docu-series they were going to you know drop on their necks that we've basically seen before so this was a very special time for this to come out this is a very special cast that we had together. It's one of Robert De Niro's best performances so of good. this, you know, new mm-hmm. 21st century. I think this, Meet the Parents <laughs> as Jack Byrne, is up there. He's so good in that. And then obviously The Irishman, you know. But Mason, I know we're trying to get, you know, trying to get our friend in and out of here. Uh, what is your history with Silver Linings Playbook as well? This was, so in 2012, I've brought this this episode up on the show a couple times, but there was the... 
Saturday or Sunday after Thanksgiving, my freshman year of college, I went to the AMC River East 21 with two of my buddies, <laughs> and we saw five movies that day. And Damn. Silver Linings Playbook was, I think, the first movie, because I think we went Silver Linings Playbook. We were late to Argo, but I had seen Argo, so it was no big deal. Then we went to Flight, and then we went to Skyfall, and I had seen Skyfall, and we were a little late for Skyfall, so that was no big deal. And we ended the day with Lincoln. And I kind of think that that maybe that schedule should have been flipped around because I was nodding in and out of Lincoln. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, But so I had seen this movie at that point, and going into it, I just remember that Doug Benson on Doug Loves Movies was, like, really having fun with riffing on the title of this movie, because without seeing the movie, you see the title or the poster, Silver Linings Playbook, you're like, what the fuck is this about? What does this mean? Um, What's going on here? And then I saw this movie, and maybe it was just because I didn't quite know how to process it but i knew that it was like kind of unlike any movie that i had really seen before then just like the 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 editing the energy of the editing the energy of the camera um and uh i really 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 dug this movie particularly because i think i had known something about david o russell ahead of time but this might have actually been my very first david o russell movie i can't remember if i'd seen three kings all the way to completion before this but i knew that he yelled at lily tomlin i knew that he directed the fighter i have still not seen the fighter sounds like i should probably check it out um but i really liked this movie and i really liked american hustle when it came out the next year and it's sort of like loosey-goosey um sort of uh uh attitude that it had um, but I haven't really thought thought about this movie in, in the decades since I saw this Thanksgiving 2012, and unless it like popped up on like Netflix or some other streaming site, I'm like, oh, Silver Linings Playbook, I should I should check that out again. And I gotta say, I turned this on this afternoon, like I normally watch the movies right before we record. And holy fuck, like kind of from moment one, I was like just so charmed and so smitten with this. I just love like. I love movies like I like rom-coms. I like romance movies. I like movies that have like just like, like a kind of, I guess, maybe somewhat off kilter energy, but are about like a somewhat off kilter relationship. Totally. Uh, you know, like just 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 the because it's what with like with like studio, like sort of factory sort of made rom-coms. It's kind of about like two pretty people falling in love and and you know, there's these, all these contrivances and all this other stuff. And you're like, oh, you know, like whatever, this is good enough to put on. These are, this is good enough to watch attractive people like fall in love or whatever. But like, they do give you like this kind of like unrealistic uh, idea of what like relationships are like in the world. Cause they're just like kind of so um, like, like clean people, I guess is the best way to put it. And what I love about this movie is that there's like so many like kind of messy characters in the ensemble. Like even the therapists, like, I don't know if it's good for you to hang out with your therapist that much outside of your session. (laughs) Um, But it's so fun when he shows up at the, at the Eagles game and then just becomes buddies with Pat and Pat's Mm -hmm. brother. And then shows up at like the family uh, Eagles game at the end there. I'm not a football guy either, but I remember seeing this movie and thinking like, oh, this is why like sports matter to people. Like it's, it's the, it's the ritual. Just, I loved each individual part of this, this, this movie so much. Um, I like, like you said, Nina, I was watching this movie and I was just like so impressed and I thought J-Law was so good. And I looked it up and she was like 21 or 22 when she was making this, which is like, it's it's wild. She is really that fucking good. And it's also just thinking about like how obnoxious 
the sort of like conversation around her was at this time. Um, it's just like, she's just like a 22 year old girl that's getting like all these accolades and all this attention. And she's so, I thought she dealt, handled that in that period with a lot of grace and a lot of personality. And I still, still really, really like her a lot. And Bradley fucking Cooper, who before this, I just knew from like, the hangover. didn't really hangover. think about the hangover. Exactly. Didn't think about him really tw- like two times in that movie. Like Jack Alphanakis was kind of the big yeah, takeaway the from that movie for me. Yeah, but Bradley Cooper's, like, one of the best American actors at the moment. He's so fucking good, and I think he's a little—I I love the stars, born. I think he's really got some directing chops, too. I can't wait to see what he does next. I just—I heard— This movie's really great. I heard yes. he's doing a Leonard Bernstein movie next. That's it. I've heard that, too, yeah. I don't know what the, the, um, the, the, the timeline is on that, but I'm curious to see how that turns out. I think he's a really tremendously talented guy. Um— and uh, that's it. That's that was a lot of fucking word salad here. Yes. Um, but I was really, really taken back by this this movie on rewatch. It was kind of better than I was anticipating. Actually, Nina, I know you maybe don't have the most time in the world yet, so I want to make sure we get we get in your we get in your words while you're still fresh with us. What if you had to summate it? If you had to put it down on paper, what do you think the magic of Silver Linings Playbook is? Um, actors who trust each other, study cam and editing and the yeah. music, the score, like yeah. the, not the score, but the soundtrack, like, it's yeah, like the Dave, pop score, it's like Dave Brubeck and, um, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin and like Stevie yeah. Wonder and like Bob Dylan, but it's a uh, girl from the North country is one of my favorite songs of all time. All time. Oh my god, dude! I was not expecting. I was not prepared for that to show up when it did in the movie. Um, and when it started, I was just like, <gasps> just <sighs> that whole. It's so funny because thinking about this movie and how much it meant to me for such a long time. So many of like my influences with music and again filmmaking come from this movie. It's just like, like seriously, uh, yeah. Every song on that. On that, well, uh, the movie soundtrack. that you directed that I was in, I could feel it. 100%. I mean, Steadicam, it was like how I was introduced to Steadicam and clean cinematography with a bit of film grain. And I was like, well, I mm-hmm. guess I'll just do this forever. And that's like truly how I do everything now. It's a good look, though. It's, it's a good great. look. I and you know it. what's You know what's nuts? We mm-hmm. covered High Heart Huckabees on the show, like I said, you know, like, a, you know, almost two years ago now. This is like him toning it down. Yeah. This is like him pumping yeah. the brakes and being like, I'm going to lean back on my cast and my editor a little bit here because have you seen I Heart Huckabees or yeah. Three Kings? Like, it's crazy. He goes so hard with that shit. And here he was like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to show what needs to be done. I'm going to let these actors go to town because this ensemble is nuts. It's crazy i've never seen chris tucker so good in my whole fucking life rush hour's fun you know they're fun for what they are which are action buddy comedies but he's like a very fun like little side piece in this movie whenever he shows up all the you know i i have four zevons for this movie i have four actors who i'm gonna give a zevon award to and they are as follows john ortiz is ronnie his friend yes so fucking man so good. Uh, every time he's talking about, yeah, I just go out into the garage and I just smash, I just smash shit, and it makes me it feel just, better. It just feels like it's here, and then all of a sudden it goes. Ugh. 
So oh he gets God. a he. Julia Stiles is in that movie too. Damn. Oh yes, Julia Stiles is great too. Oh, so yeah. fucking good. She doesn't get a Z. I'll give her a Zevon retroactively. So now there's five Zevons for this movie. I forgot about her, unfortunately. Uh, Shay Wigham, who plays the older brother Jake. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch Vice Principals on HBO? I did not, no, but I love Shea Wiggum anytime he pops up in anything. When a, he's a classic that guy guy. A guy. classic that guy guy. He's the perfect guy to get a Zevon because every time he shows up, I'm like, that guy is so unbelievably good. And in the Vice Principal show, he plays like this, like, he looks like how he looks. You know, he looks a little scoundrelly, maybe like a little scary mm. guy. But he plays the, like, stepdad to Danny McBride's kid, and he's like, I just want you to know, you're the dad. I would never step over like anything that you're trying to do. And Danny McBride's like, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. I fucking hate you. <laughs> and it's so funny, their relationship on that. Uh, Paul Herman as Randy, a.k.a. Beansy from The Sopranos. He's yes. Fuck. He's such a fuck in that movie. He is such a fuck. And he does such a good such job. A good and he's yeah. so good in The Sopranos, too. And then the mama bear, the number one person who gets a Z-Von, is Jackie, Jackie Weaver. Weaver. Yeah. yeah. Jackie Weaver. She's barely in the movie, and she's so good. Get her more in the movie. I mean, that's like a complaint in a good way. You know, it's like, she's so goddamn good. And she's just sort of a Z-Von person in general, where you're like, where have you been? You've been nominated for two Oscars, which is dope. But I feel like she's not in like a bunch of stuff that gets a lot of attention otherwise. You know what I mean? It's too bad. She'll she will pop in for like a scene or two in a movie and and just just she's she is such a professional. She only shows up for like two scenes in Widows um as Elizabeth Debicki's mom, but she does such a good job of of uh creating that character with just a little amount of time that she has. I love Jackie Weaver so much. She's great. We love her. Uh yeah, you know, Nina, like who I, are some of your favorite performances in this movie that yeah, we haven't who do you mentioned like? yet? Are there Jayla, baby, she's my girl. I just, I think she's phenomenal in it. I think, I think everybody, like everybody, down to like David o. Russell's son, who asks to do a report on bipolar disorder when he opens. Oh, the that's door. him. Yeah, that's his son who has bipolar disorder. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, like, that's so. That's why. That's why um, David o. Russell made the movie because he felt like he personally understood what it was like to be around somebody with bipolar disorder and struggle with it. Um, but uh, I thought that was great. I love, I fucking love Julia Stiles in this movie. She's so cringy and so good. Um, yeah. I also we love. We did a spinoff movie with the John Ortiz like character yeah, and like, Julia Stiles character. Yeah, exactly. I um, I really love the, uh, one of my favorite moments in the, in the whole movie is uh, Slow Down Raisin Bran when the woman in the diner is. Yes. When he's running, I was like, Slow Down Raisin Bran. Like, I, I don't know why, but I think part of why I love this movie too is there's so many specific moments um, mm-hmm. that just made it feel wholly unique. And the fact that it takes place in the Philly suburbs too, I think is great because that's like an area mm-hmm. you don't really get a lot of shine to, I feel like, in movies. Like, a lot of movies don't really take place in the Philly suburbs or even like, I yeah. feel like Philadelphia is a little bit of an underrated like place to set a movie more or less too. And I always love that when you're like in a place that normally doesn't get shine. That's yeah. good too. Yeah. yeah. Keep talking. Um, I have to get my guy out real quick. Hi baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Uh, Nita is, uh, Nita is letting her dog out right now. <gasps> oh my God. Yo. Oh, he is so <gasps> fucking oh, cute. Holy shit, he is beautiful. We got a little Pooh Bear motherfucker on the cam right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between. 
or not on the spectrum, that particular spectrum at all. Look at that. Oh, what's this guy's name? His name's Blue. Blue! Oh, what's up? Oh, what hey, is Blue? What is Blue's favorite part of Silver Linings Playbook? Because I like when the kids are dressed up for Halloween. Yes! I love when the kids are dressed up for Halloween. I, and again, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who plays uh, the like officer assigned to uh, to the to Pat Solitano and the Solitano family can't remember that actor's name, but he shows up, you know, in a bunch of random shit. He's so good, so many good actors yeah, in this fantastic. fucking movie. Um, trying to think, is there anything we? Oh, you know what? There was one part that I kind of want to talk about you, but I'll actually just save it for my sort of wrap up stuff. Is there anything we didn't? talk about i know we're speed running silver line sorry i don't mean here. to i don't mean to run the light no it's good people will actually people will actually like the fact that we're speed running you're actually doing the, the audience a favor nina uh i like how it's like um hi baby i, I love i i feel like you, you we when we think back on like kind of like the the 2010s as like a culture like i think just the marvelness of it all just like took over so much of that landscape and those are just like so um kind of polished and hermetically sealed kind of away from you know re- actual reality and it was so nice to watch a movie from the 2012s where people where characters had iPods and had like iPods yes. to give out um i really love the chemistry between um uh, like in the in the diner date scene, um, just watching those two like start to sort of negotiate their their weird little um, relationship, where he's just asking about all these people that she fucked in her office, and she's um, she's uh, 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 Jennifer Lawrence is is like just giving it kind of just like casually. Um, let's see, let's see here. Um, oh, uh, I I love Jennifer Lawrence's line. Always going to be uh, parts that are sloppy and dirty, but I like that part about myself. I like that um, part really of li- myself. I opened up I to li- you and yeah. you judged me. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. That's so good. Oh, my poor dog is freaking out. <laughs> Thinking that you, she, you're, talk, you're talking to the dog. You're I trusted you. Fuck you. I just opened kidding. up to I you. I love that I... dog. And you... Yeah, I actually love that. I think that this is also just a tremendous like a I, I also think that um, a lot of times in movies, particularly from around this this era and even through today, uh, mental illness is kind of like treated as like kind of quirky or you have yeah. to like stop and explain what's what's going on with people. And this movie is just so focused on the actors and their behavior that like you just exist and live with them and what their life is like. I loved how the camera would like kind of move and expand or contract given on like um you know uh sort of pat's pat's world there there's like one particular shot where it's early in a therapy session where i forget exactly what pat's talking about but the camera just moves down to bradley cooper like just fiddling around with his hands and just like capturing that very small thing um to just like communicate like this this guy's like kind of all twisted up inside um and i also like that it's it, you know, it doesn't pretend to, like, say that these people, like, are cured or anything. They're always and I, uh, going to be living with this in some capacity. And I also like that, you know, this movie has a wide enough focus that even Robert De Niro's character clearly has something, you know, some sort of mental something totally. going on. Either, like, OCD, like Pat said, or something else um, where he couldn't Water. quite be um, a, pre- uh, a, a present father, but he's still, like, a good and caring guy, Um with his own like kind of stuff that he has to work out. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty like loving and compassionate movie in and perspective in that way that makes it like 
really um and it, it might just come from you know david o russell's experience like living and loving somebody that has um bipolar disorder or, or um you know ha- has has that particular um mm-hmm. affliction um i think that might be about all i want any final thoughts on silver linings yeah. playbook my friend my favorite moment is when she tells robert de niro how it is and then opens a beer that comes out of nowhere that's my favorite part yeah, that is a very good part where she's just like, you need to fucking listen to me right now. You are, yeah. do yeah. not have any idea what the fuck's going on here. Yeah. Mason. The climactic dance scene is incredible. My last... I mean, the whole thing, there's so many moments. I love the diner scene so much. It's such a, yeah. that's like an iconic scene for me. I'm like, it's just so, it's a scene with so many layers too, because it starts out as one thing and then it becomes something else, and it's like starts out as a seduction almost, and then it becomes a battle, and then it's like he's like begging her to stay. You know, it's like all three of those. Like Mike Nichols says, like there's only three types of scenes: battles, negotiations, and seductions, and it's like all three of those yeah. things. You know, in the same scene. Mason, for time's sake, I'm gonna do fast facts. Yeah, let's do it. Russell initially intended to make the film with, dun da da dum I can't believe that this was ever the thing, but apparently at one Carly? time it was, Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel. Would have been crazy. Yeah, would have been, <laughs> been, been different. Would have been much different. Uh, but then he went to go make The Fighter instead. Mark Wahlberg was set to work with Russell for the fourth time on this, but had to drop out after delays and scheduling conflicts. Anne Hathaway was cast as Tiffany Maxwell, but ended up dropping out to do The Dark Knight Rises and ultimately had creative differences with Russell. Another another one where I feel like, you know, what would have been, I don't know, you know, I like Jennifer Lawrence in this, I can't see one of anybody else. And other actresses who were considered for the part are as follows. Elizabeth Banks, Kirsten Mm. Dunst, Angelina Mm. Jolie, Blake Lively, Rooney Mara, I could see that actually, that would be a very interesting person to play that part. Uh, Rachel McAdams, Andrea Riseborough, and Olivia Wilde. Mm. And mm. to top it all off, the fact that Jennifer Lawrence got this part, she auditioned via Skype for the uh, role. Wow, trendsetter. That, that sucks so bad to have to do that, and she did. Uh, Lawrence and Cooper had no previous dance experience. In less than a month, the choreographer, who happens to be named Mandy Moore uh, for So You Think You Can Dance, taught them the sequences. Moore describes Cooper as having some real natural dancing ability. Lawrence said the climactic ballroom dance scene, none was improvised, absolutely not. I'm a terrible dancer, so I never would have been able to do any of that. When it finally came together, the scene was just as fun as it feels. Robert De Niro teared up during the scene where he tells Cooper's character he wished he was closer to him, which was not mm-hmm. scripted, which mm-hmm. I think is just, a, that's a beautiful fact. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking this next po- thing throughout the movie, and I guess there actually is an explanation. Throughout the movie, Dolores, Jackie Weaver, announces to her family and friends that she's making crabby snacks and homemades for them to eat while watching crabby football. Crabby snacks and homemades, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Many critics and viewers outside of Philly area assumed that that was some sort of Philadelphia Eagles food tradition, but most Philly viewers were just as mystified by the term. Weaver herself, in a 2012 interview, New York Magazine, admitted that she couldn't remember what the term meant, although she had known at the time. Finally, in the Philadelphia Daily News, reported that Krabby Snacks are a canape that Doreen Quick, the mother of Matthew Quick, who wrote the book, (coughs) choking on my own fucking spit here at the end used to make them for games and other gatherings the recipe consisted of canned crab meat processed cheese cooked together and spread onto english muffins cut into quarters homemades are beef rolls covered with bread crumbs and simmered in a tomato sauce oh, after graduating so at the end there yes exactly 
After graduating from Amherst, Russell traveled to Nicaragua and taught at a Sandinista literacy program. He ended up working manual jobs, including waitering, bartending, and catering early on in his, you know, beginning of his career. Some of his bartending colleagues included members of the Blue Man Group. I don't know how <laughs> that, that you would even know that, but I guess he did. Uh, he worked at the Booksellers Association and later became a community organizer in Maine. He used the video equipment to document the slums and bad housing conditions of Lewiston, Maine. In 1987, he wrote, produced, and directed Bingo Inferno, a parody of American Obsessions, a short film about obsessive bingo-playing Mother. Two years later, he made another short entitled Hairway to the Stars, which featured actually featured William Hickey and Betty Davis, which is kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Um, he wrote a screenplay adaptation for Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies with the intention of directing it. Dropped out, uh, Burr Steers revi revised and polished the script. Russell did not receive any credit. He also did uncredited rewrites for Meet the Fockers and an uncredited early draft of Stuart Little. And his favorite 10 movies, or I don't know if they're 10 here, but his favorite movies are Blue Velvet, Chinatown, Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie, The Godfather, Goodfellas, It's a Wonderful Life, Pulp Fiction, Raging Bull, Vertigo, and Young Frankenstein. I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the cast, specifically Bradley Cooper, J-Law, and De Niro. And the sequence that we didn't talk about, but is something that has always stuck with me, basically from the moment I saw it in the theaters, is the sequence where he's looking for his wedding video yeah. uh, late at night. And what uh, what is and what shall never be is playing by Led Zeppelin. It has never left my brain. He is like full on, you know, at a 10 in that scene. And it is really hard to watch. It is really a challenging scene to sit through. But I love, love, love that moment. It'll always stick with me. This gets a full recommend from me. I have a very special place in my heart for this film. And I normally feel like this isn't exactly the kind of movie we would talk about on this show. But what kind of we were saying at the beginning and the reason I think it like totally works is this is because it's one of those movies that it was nominated for like eight Oscars. It comes out. It gets a lot of hype at the time. And then it kind of died away and people didn't really talk about it in a major way sort of after award season. I feel like every single year there's sort of that kind of movie that happens, you know, and Silver Linings Playbook is like a great example of that. There's some mm -hmm. movies that get nominated for Oscars and you're never going to watch them. They're just never going to see, you know, whatever that one movie with Glenn Close was like Mr. Dobbs or like Albert Nobbs or whatever it is. And Silver Linings Playbook is not that. Silver Linings Playbook is a movie that is really good and absolutely worth either revisiting or if you for some reason never seen it worth watching the first time full recommend yeah. mason what do you got uh three-way mercedes valuable player for me cinematographer director of photography masanobu takanyagi i'm very sorry to them uh and also the editing team of jay cassidy and crispin struthers um, I love how the camera moves in this movie and I also love how the editing team uh, makes just I was thinking about the uh, there's a Richard Brody tweet that I saw yesterday where he talked about how um, when you're writing about a movie you're talking about it, you're trying to like capture the music that you felt while watching it paraphrasing here and so much of the music of Silver Linings playbook is in how this camera moves frames these characters, frames their relationship, frames the world around them, and then also just, like, how it's all put together so um, fluidly and so seamlessly. Uh, a really uh, tremendously, I think, difficult task, and I'm sure they shot a lot of footage there, too. In any case, um, really tremendous movie. Also a full recommend for me for a lot of the same reasons that Noah was saying. This really would not have been high on my rewatch list had it not been, like, suggested for the show and I was absolutely taken back and really, really, really surprised and taken um, 
surprised taken and, and and came to admire this movie and its um heart and its uh capacity and it's um how how kind of beautiful it is i like it a lot nina what about you chef what about you doc Where I, you rec- at? I recommend it more than anything i think for me the mvp is is that it's a rom-com yes just that fact Yay. that it's like a rom-com i love a third act final moment confessional and i think they did it so well with the letter especially oh when she God. reads it yeah. and she goes she, sorry spoilers if anybody's like skip i guess if you haven't seen it it's like, literally fuck yeah. you um when she reads the letter she goes <laughs> her delivery when she reads the the letter and she goes um because what does she do i forget what she does um but she's like dear tiffany i know oh i know you wrote the letter and the way she reads it and yeah, she gets him, choked up immediately yeah she was the, yeah just like the deliver i know you wrote the letter <laughs> the way she I know it was really good. <laughs> I know it was blue. I know you wrote the letter blue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got a glass head. That's my favorite part. That delivery that's so honest and earnest. And like, this ca- I could talk about it for hours, but I'll just leave it to that one. It's just such a fantastic movie. It makes me so happy. I'm going to watch it tonight, I think. Fun. Swag. Well, we yeah. know you got to take yeah, the dude. dog outside, so we don't want to keep you much longer, but we do want to thank you for coming back. Thank you for doing our penultimate show up to big number one hundo we got the last double digit show if it's on the list that's true we got big number one hundo coming up next week maybe that'll be maybe that'll be fun (laughs) who knows if that'll be fun or not but thank you so much for coming back again this is the time you have to plug whatever you want to plug so what's up doc plug away I have a very cute dog, and that's it. I'm very happy. I'm hiding. <laughs> I'm like, I go on walks, <laughs> and good. I listen to music, and that's it. I don't really. I'm like not doing shows right now. I just don't really care. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. For I'm sure a lot of there's oh, the world is fucking crazy still. You yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. It's fu- it's stupid. So I don't know. My interests are changing. I think, and it's I'm just letting them change. Everything's hell yeah, fine. dude. Yeah. Amen to just going with the flow in that regard of being like, all right, I'm interested in this other thing. Let's just see what this area is. Let's explore that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing, I'm actually tomorrow starting a nine month um, conservatory for music production and vocals. Oh. Yo. Let's go. Hell yeah. Who is that through? So be on the lookout for that nine months from now for. uh, For the for the signature EP from yeah, Doc. Yeah, it's hilarious. No, I, I don't know what will happen, but it's just it's very similar to directing. Producing is so similar to directing that, um, and it's like my favorite parts of directing all the time. So we'll see what happens. I'm just excited to learn about something new. I, I grew up playing music, and um, yeah, that's it. That's different it. things. Let's you know go. what I mean? It's just fun. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love uh, you guys. I do have to take them out. Okay, no worries. Go ahead and exit the Zoom. We'll just plug the, plug away and end the show. But thank you very much. Yeah. Bye, guys. Talk Bye, later. Nina. Thank you. Good seeing you. She never did wish me happy birthday, that bitch. Uh, <laughs> so that gets the... <laughs> We're going to play them all. We're going to play them all. Fuck, 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 fuck. Is that Tourette's that. guy? I've never, I haven't asked you. It just occurred to me that it, the other day... I don't know. It just says fuck sound effect on YouTube. That's literally all it says. So I have no idea if it is Tourette's guy or not. Right. And then we'll do one more of these as well. Mason, give a kissy, please. Mason, give a kissy, please. Oh, boy. Now that she's now that, now that she's gone, is there anything we didn't hit? Because I know we were trying to kind of race to get her out of there. Is there anything we didn't hit for Silver Linings Playbook? Mm. I know we're doing it out of order here. Yeah. Um, I don't 
think so. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, I don't think so. Great. Then I will say this. Oh, wait. One thing I did want to say. <laughs> okay, all right. Fine, fine. No, I'm saying uh, I like that the uh, Bradley Cooper's sweatpants and uh, garbage bag outfit is kind of like his superhero outfit. Yes. Uh, it's tremendous. That would be a great Halloween costume if I can think to do that for Halloween. Just just try to get Silver Lang's Playbook Fever back <laughs> in the year 2022. Look, dude, it's the 10-year anniversary this year, so we got to start yeah. spreading, spreading the word, spreading the news. Silver Lang's Playbook still hits. Uh, speaking of still hitting, that email inbox is still there, baby. You can send us emails. Let's Hit go. us mm-hmm. up. Everybody wants two, the number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. It is in the fucking description for the show. Just click it, copy it into your fucking email drafts, get us going. Like we always say, if it's good, we'll read it. If it sucks, you have to turn yourself in and you have to go to jail for writing a shitty, stupid email. That's how it yes. works. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at it's on the list pod on Twitter and at it's on underscore the list on Instagram. You can follow me on social media as well. You shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't, but you can. I guess you can, uh, and you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things, currently on hiatus. But check back the back catalog. Like I said earlier, I did do an episode with the lead singer and frontman of Spanish love songs, Dylan Slocum. I don't exactly remember what episode number that is, but we talk about concerts that he's been to that he really likes and just playing shows in these really dingy, dirty venues that sometimes are great and sometimes aren't. Uh, really good episode. And then also, because she was here for most of the episode, check out episode 38 of My Favorite Podcast, where Nina and I both laid on the floor for an hour and then just sort of talked about what we thought about. That is exactly what we did on that episode. And we talked about some interesting stuff. Uh, otherwise, I think that's all I got in terms of plugs. Mason, plug us up. Bring us home. Folks, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at uh, HotDogDebicki. You can also find me uh, on YouTube, where I'm posting my TikTok dance, TikTok <laughs> dance number one. Um, you can find buy a shirt at uh, Mason-MerchGuire.Creator-Spring.com. You can see me trying to not uh, bust my ass on the streets of Chicago, slipping on ice, getting hit by cars, whatever. I'm trying to see 52 new release movies this year. Uh, first runs in the city of Chicago. Um, and I started last night by seeing uh, the 355. Don't see it. You're not missing much, but um, I fell on that sword for you. Though, wow. Jessica Chastain's character in that is named Mason, which was a nice surprise. Uh, but Were I think you the only person in the for- theater? yes and then some people came in maybe 20 minutes into the movie and then when the movie ended they were gone so i don't know if they stuck through the whole thing Damn, that's fucking um yeah uh and any oh you can also find me on my other podcast the barn a podcast about the shield and i think that will do it folks tell someone you love them this week do something you love this week and we will see you all next week thank you bye-bye bye-bye
Thank you.